us pray and then we'll go. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on us sinners. Amen. All right, good to see you. Uh, it was five, right? So here we go. You know, it used to be that the eyes were the window to the soul. Now it's the ringtone. All right, so you know this story, but kind of a different spin. When the people pressed upon Jesus to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, okay, Sea of Galilee, up north, 80 degrees and sunny. And they saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So they worked through the night. Um, they are washing up their nets, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon. He asked him, and then, you know, if you read that, it was kind of interesting to ask. He asked him to put out a little bit from the land. And this is how you can always tell somebody with a new boat, right, because they yell over the, over the motor, but you can hear them on land. You're like, you know, you, you've had this experience, right, that people don't understand that sound travels. <clears throat> so getting into one of the boats, he asked me to put out from the, a little bit from the land, natural, so natural amphitheater using the water. And uh, he sat down and he talked to people from the boat. So he's a rabbi. He sits down and he teaches. That's what rabbis do. When he sees speaking, speaking, he said to Simon, put into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night. We took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. When they'd done this, they enclosed a great shoal of fish. And as their nets were breaking, they beckoned to their partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and they filled the boat, so they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. He was astonished, and all that were with him had the catch of fish which they had taken. So also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid, henceforth you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything, and they followed him. Okay, there you go. So, um, you always thought that was a miracle story, as I did too, but... Uh, uh, he gives you something else. So, what did you like about it? What was different, or what did you notice, or what did you learn? Did anybody read? Did you? Are you reading? It's a fat book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did you read ahead? I didn't know what to read. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. The vicar just told me this is what you read. Yeah, right. so I yeah. 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 Oh, I already went to get a kid. I thought we'd get a kid. Jeanette, yeah. what's going on? I had to chuckle when they when they talked about um, Peter beckoning. That was yeah. kind of well, interesting. Because that's every fisherman you know. That's a true fisherman. Clearly, you're not in the Bass Pro Championships. You know. But that, that actually was interesting because you don't pay attention to the verbs like that. You know, like the, there was a beck and so it was a signal rather than a voice. So that was kind of interesting. What else? Yeah. Well, I mean, I the, the part of it that I thought kind of illuminated the text through knowing more about the culture of the time was just that the fishermen or probably fishermen would have realized that on the Sea of Galilee you would normally find fish close to shore where there were springs and all this and that Jesus asked them to go out to the deep and let down their nets and that this was really unusual and that that provoked Peter's response of you know I am on get away from here whatever I am on clean or whatever but I mean because I never realized that before It, it just seemed like a natural thing that of course you'd go out in the deep and let down your net but it turns out that was contrary to what you would expect. So sometimes the Lord asks you to do things that are exactly opposite what you think you should be doing. Hmm. Good. And, well, and it was a great example, by the way. Because, yeah, we never, we never think twice about that, right? Yeah. Yes? I thought it was interesting when um, 
Jesus asked Peter if he could get into the boat. Right. And about a favor that Jesus had done, had healed Peter's mother-in-law. So in the Middle Eastern culture, Peter was expected right. to... Right, yes. And that question, right. you know, was getting into the boat. Right, yeah. yeah. Trading yeah. favors. Yeah. Yep. Chicago call. But that's <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <Well>, typically. <laughs> But it is interesting how Middle Eastern families hang together, even now, you know, and that's in the Old Testament. You remember all the stuff about the stranger in your midst, and you care for them, and mm-hmm. somebody comes into your house, and you're responsible for them, and all of that. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Anything else? What else did you like? Yes, please. I think that, well, this is just another story where Jesus always starts out being the one in need, asking for the help. It always yeah. starts, and I, I just find that as we keep doing stories, how that's why do you think that is? He has an agenda. <laughs> <laughs> He's fake needy. Well, even the Good Samaritan story, you were always taught in the Good Samaritan story that Jesus was the... Good Samaritan. But maybe he's the guy who got beat up by the side of the road. That's another interpretation. That's true. That Jesus is the guy on the ground and not the guy, not the Good Samaritan. So that he gives you opportunity to be, which would go with your needy theory. There's a doctoral dissertation in here somewhere. Keep pushing. <laughs> <laughs> you want to spend the next 10 years of your life writing. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, the beggar, you're more than free. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a, you know, that's a, uh, that's another way to twist the stories. Yes, please. Along with the need, Barb said it's interesting if you see it, but that's not what we notice. I mean, when we think of all these stories, we don't. Notice, at least I don't notice, until it's brought to my attention. He was in need here. He asked for something here. He asked for something here. Which is, though, although. It it fits with, uh, oh, we go to God because we need something. Right, exactly. (laughs) But you, as, as. As the head of Christmas sharing, which everybody should volunteer for in the next month or so, <laughs> followed, by, followed by Grace School, collecting the gifts for Grace School, what's one of the ways that you make people feel valuable as you're going along? You need them. Yeah, you ask them to do something. You need them. And they do need you, by the way. So. But, but they only really feel that need if it's genuine for me. Absolutely. So it's not Jesus had an agenda. Well, she was teasing. She was looking at me smiling when she said it. Whoever, whoever said you said it, it was yeah. There was a there was but a Jesus little. Jesus always uses your gift. He drives That's right. By That's right. The gift that you have, Peter's gift. Peter's got a boat. Yeah, and got a boat and a net and, 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 and a couple of partners. Well, he was preaching. Yeah, right. He uh, used his gift. Right. And this may have already been said, and I was discussing whatever. So forgive me if this is a repeat. But well, I guess I, you know, have this story many, many times. I guess, I guess I never thought about the material gain that he was leaving behind by now becoming pushers of He wins the lottery, yeah. and then he walks away so from it. Yeah. Yeah. I actually didn't, um, I didn't actually put together that it was that big of a gift. Uh, you know, like this was like, he, I mean, the way they spoke about the gift to be in. They had found a new. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. <coughs> Actually, I didn't check this, but I. This is kind of sad to say. Um, there's another story where they count the fish, and there's 144 of them. Mm-hmm. And in Norway, there's a, there's a church built with 144 
scenes on the top. That's one for fish off to take you serious. What people do, right? Oh my I know. Because because well it's this abundance deal, right? You know, this abundance. And I had never read it as a he pitched it very much as a stewardship story, which I had never sort of read it in that way before. So that was sort of interesting that um, this is really a story about stuff. I mean it was very it was very interesting to, to read it that way. So you've got stuff. Jesus needs your stuff, but more than your stuff, he needs you, right? So that was sort of a very interesting little, little take on it. All right, anything else? What else have you got? Anything? All right, so just let's just kind of kind of slip through this. Um, but you'll need to you need to hold on to this. Although we said this uh, you know a thousand times, but you need to hold on to this notion that um, stuff is good actually, and so. The world, you know, in a hundred years, the world will break down between people who cling to matter and cling to spirit, and everything goes around, comes around. This was the Greeks. Um, you know, this is if you remember your first philosophy class on Plato. You know, uh, you know, there's a chair here, but in heaven, there's the perfect idea of a chair. You know, this just represents the idea somewhere up there. Somebody's thinking about the perfect chair, and it's only perfect if it's not material. Does that make sense? Ideas are perfect, not human beings. Stuff is always bad. Stuff is always bad. Thoughts are always good. Okay? Now, just as a little aside, I don't know if you know this or not, but in the Reformation times, there was this great Neoplatonic revival. And frankly, this is the reason why the Reformed don't believe in the real presence in the sacrament. Because they love Plato more than Paul. It's actually true. There was this great, in the 1500s, there was this great Adfantes, Back to the Sources, the classics, the Greek and Latin authors became very popular. It was good because then you had a lot of study of the languages and you had a lot of interest in the text and the printing press came and all this sort of stuff. But the reason, there's a great you know, Calvinistic reform saying that the finite cannot contain the infinite. That is, stuff can contain God himself. Well, the great argument against that, of course, is the incarnation. I mean, the ultimate affirmation of you so, but this is why, I'm just tying this all together for you. This is why Jesus came out of the chalice, and this is why the body came off the cross. Because they loved Plato more than Paul. It's just, and you tuck that away. You can analyze even today. So the Da Vinci Code, that just replayed this. It gets replayed every 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. It just gets, it's the same thing over and over again. It's a very basic distinction about whether your flesh is good or bad. This is why when we say in the Creed, what do we say? We say... We believe in the resurrection of the body. But the, of the body is crucial. That separated the Christians from the Greeks, right? So Hebrews loved their bodies. Hebrews were very, Hebrews were sort of one lump, and they'd look at you and say, you know, you got body and mind and soul and spirit. And when you hear Jesus talk, sometimes he says body and soul. Sometimes, love the Lord you got with all your body and soul and mind and spirit. They have all these, they realize there's all these things going on inside you. You've got flesh and you've got mind and you've got emotion. And how does it all bundle together? The Hebrews never really bothered. They just sort of said, you're a whole package and the Lord will resurrect all of it. The Greeks were very specific. You have things that are, you can touch, that are touchable stuff, material stuff. And that's not so good. You know, that's not so good. But the great thing is the idea. The great thing is to think. The great thing is, and, and you see, you know, this kind of intersects then with, with, with Buddhism, with Hinduism, with all the things where you're not going to get a body and you're going to be absorbed into the great unknown. 
So this is just a basic divide. You can analyze the world by whether or not they like your stuff. Make sense? So the incarnation, this is why the incarnation is this great, this is why the incarnation is this great act of love that God, who does who is a person but doesn't have a body, to tell you that he loves you, he takes a body. The ultimate, he doesn't just talk, I love you, I love you, I love you. You don't just hear voices. You actually have Jesus come to your boat and sit down and look just like you, and then you die, and then he raises you from the dead, and he takes a body. This is the great thing about Easter, that he makes death die. So this is just kind of basic, get the lay of the land. You have to decide on one side or the other. What do you, what do you love? What do you hate? What's good? What's bad? In the scriptures, your flesh is actually good. Stuff is actually good. This is why, if you heard John Pining talk about Ecclesiastes, why you can enjoy your day, right? Eat, drink, sleep, love, have friends, go to the ball game, join the bass boat fishing tour, you know? Because fish are good at some basic level. So Jesus uh, speaks in creation eight times, and it was good, it was good, it was very good, and then he rests, and it's good to have stuff. Okay, does that make sense? Right? This is why things like the, uh, you know, like, yes, right. (laughs) This is why things like the Da Vinci Code, I mean, every, and you know, every Christmas and Easter, there's going to be something released, and then it's going to be, you know, everybody can hold a titter, and then what happens is you find out people have known about that for a hundred years. Don't worry about it. This is all, there's nothing new under the sun. This is all, uh, this is all old stuff. So, you know, money, stuff, fish, boats, your life, your flesh, it's all kind of, it can be used for good, it can be used for ill. It was created good, now it can be pulled in either direction. Okay? So, and now just go to point four, which is, there's only really one sin, and that's idolatry. That's why the first commandment is, don't have any other gods. There's only, there's only one sin. So, you love your boat more than you love Jesus. You love fish more than you love Jesus. You love your money more than you love Jesus. You love your stuff more than you love Jesus. It's the only sin. The only sin, I mean, it, it, every other sin is some variation of this. The only sin is you love something more than Jesus. I'm the Lord your God. Don't have any other gods. Make sense? So that's the only sin. And you just kind of you parse it, you know. At the, at the fourth commandment, you, you know, you love yourself more than you love Jesus who tells you to love your family, for example. Or you love yourself more than you love coming to church on Sunday. It's very simple. There's only one sin. The only sin is idolatry. Idolatry is when an idol just simply means it's very simple. You love something else more than you love Jesus. So this is a bit of a test for Peter, um, in a way. And Jesus very kindly comes to him and says, Can I use your stuff? And then Peter says, you can use my stuff. And then Jesus continues it, you can have some more stuff. In fact, you can hit the lottery with stuff. And when he does, then Jesus sort of says to him, "Ah, see how easy that is to get stuff? Stuff must not be very important if it's so easy to get stuff. If you can just sort of, in the middle of the day in the shallow water where you're not supposed to get it, if you can get a hold of stuff, then really... Pure economics. If there's a lot of stuff and it's easy to get, it must not be very valuable. But the really valuable thing is when Jesus sits in your boat and talks. The really valuable thing is people. You're really valuable. Stuff isn't really valuable. Does this all make sense? This all kind of fits together? So, yes. When I was reading this, and you know, I never thought about the fact that, of course, here you have Jesus telling Peter to do something that's just the absolute opposite 
absolute opposite of what fishermen would do. And, you know, you read that little conversation about what Peter really was thinking and saying when he, you know, made his couple of remarks, and you're like, We've, we don't understand that because we've always been taught that God is all-knowing and he's, he knows everything. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's right. You know, here's Peter, and he's the he's the captain of the boat, and he's got this teacher guy trying to tell him how to go fish. Right. So here's the thing. Now, in your own life, um, what are all the places where you tell Jesus you think he must be crazy? Emergency <laughs> room. Mercy room is always a good place. Oh yeah. Jesus asks you to do all kinds of things, and your response regularly to him is, "You must be crazy." Like, for example, what? Really, there's none. You have no things. Everything Jesus tells you to do, you just say, "Well, of course you're right about that." Really? Well, you know, sometimes it takes a little while. You know, walk away from everything. Uh, love your enemies. Love your enemies is a great one. So there's a thing. Your natural response is collect your enemies, line your enemies up, and slay them if you have to. You exert continual force until you get what you want, and they may have to not. So one thing would be love your enemies. Completely upside down. What else is completely upside down in your life? That Jesus would tell you to do this, and you'd you'd say, well, you know, you must be crazy. Like what else? Well, how many of us would have done what Peter did? Yeah, like. Hey, your stuff's not very important, Jeanette. I just want you to know your stuff's not very important, okay? Which is like, you know, it goes to the whole stewardship and tithing thing. Yeah, see? So Jesus says, you know. Nature stuff. Am I going to have enough for retirement? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, time goes the same way. So how about, how about and especially time for people. Time for Grace School or Christmas Sherry, for example. Time for those sorts of things in December and November, right? Those are sort of... You know, but I mean, now just this realistic, what else? You know, what what else does Jesus say to you? Hey, why don't you try this and you say you're crazy. What else? Prayer. Prayer is very, very, yeah, like how about, so Jesus says, the disciples say, teach us to pray. Jesus says, when you pray, as is the presumption is, everybody's praying all the time, but when you pray, you might try this, right? Mm -hmm. So you say to yourself, I'm really too busy. So, I mean, I'm not going to ask any question, but you say to yourself, when was the last time you sat down to pray? Just by yourself, when was the last time? So, Sunday's assignment for Bible study was five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. How's that going for you? Don't answer. <laughs> just curious. This morning, I thought, I, I, you know. Were you going to come out of your skin? I, I, am, I ended up getting up and doing something. Yes, you do, because you're a very, you <laughs> need to fish. You have some nets you need to wash and a big boat you need to take care of. Yeah. <laughs> were you doing? Were you going like this? <laughs> no, I was thinking. Okay, am I supposed to? Am I supposed to uh, pray a little bit? Or there wasn't anything. So, <laughs> no, am I supposed to be quiet? No, I. I no, that, even that is beyond. All I said was, just see if you can sit down for five minutes. I just want to know if you could just sit down for five minutes. Well, I mean, we'll go to the next thing next. Yes. Okay. So that's good. We have a couple of weeks, but I was just curious. No, I thought because I, I wasn't there, but I listened to it when I did the audio, and I heard it, and I thought, uh, but Bishop Lincoln is going to be here next week, so I can wait until the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Somebody like you may need, you may need two weeks of practice, young lady. 
question. Yes. I do it every morning for, let's see, 23 years since I, I got my job as a crossing guard. Because I can sit there, I'm watching for the children, and when my phone is ringing and buzzing like you wouldn't believe, I'll, I'll just say, God, give me the patience to get through the day. <laughs> or even when I first, you know, get up in the morning, I'll sit on my bed and my, my uh, ex's cat come over and says, feed me now. <laughs> I can say, Lord, direct me where I need to go. Because the faster I go, the, the more crazier my life gets. And if I, put, if I just take maybe a minute or two minutes just to look around and look at God, what God has created, you know, for twelve seventy five an hour, it's a, it's a benefit. But it is hard. You, you say to yeah. yourself, you know, can you just can you sit and be still? Mm-hmm. So what, what else, any other places where the Lord says, you know, how about this? And you say, I think you might be crazy. Yeah. Church on Sunday is a good one. Oh, yeah. I mean, church on Sunday. I mean, one of, and this has been kind of the great reversal, but when I came to St. John, if you didn't come to church, it was my fault. Mm-hmm. Well, because people, I mean, people will, you know, oh. there's, you know, if you don't come to church, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. I, there's no place in Scripture where it says that. My job, my job is to show up on Sunday. Your job is to show up on Sunday. And the Lord says, I mean, he's very specific, 52 times a year, unless you're on the lunar calendar, uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, 52 times a year, your job is to show up on the Sabbath, right? That's your job. Your job. I mean, there's no sort of qualification for that, like once in a while. or blah. I mean, the only qualification is if your ox or your ass falls into a well. But other than that, you know, uh, so if you're sick of your car doesn't start, you might get a free pass. But other than that, the Lord says, every week, show up, and it's on you. And then you say, not you all, because you're gold star A students, but many people, you know, say, you know, once a month, or I'm busy, or blah, 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 right? So, I mean, this is very, if you just start to reflect on the number of things that the Lord says very simply, tell the truth, okay? Let me be number one in your life. Come to church. Say your prayers. Make a tithe. You know, Luke 11, 42, he says to the Pharisees, you tithe and you do well. I mean, when people say Jesus didn't know anything about that, he actually says to the Pharisees, that's a part of your life you got going pretty well, that you're miserable over here. But this part of your life is working out for you. Um, Witnessing. Yeah, giving a good witness, and both in word and deed, you know. So, yeah, in actions, too. So the great St. Francis of Assisi line, you know, preach the gospel if necessary, use words, right? So uh, give a good witness, but... A good witness amounts to, you know, how you love each other, how you care for each other, how you watch over for each other, you know, and also be able to give a defense that's in you. That's how scripture talks. So this regular interplay of Jesus saying to you, I mean, this is a story about obedience in some sense. Jesus says to you, how about this? And and the cool thing about Peter is, who mentioned that, you mentioned the interior, you know, he played out the interior... This guy must be crazy. crazy. And even in the things like where he changes the title from boss to teacher, I mean, that's genius. I mean, that's a genius little thing in the story where he initially sees Jesus, he calls him, you know, boss or chief or like you think you know about fisherman guy. And then he changes, later he changes to, to master, as in I'm a slave and you're the master and I'll do what you say. Because So he sees this, you know. I need your I need your boat, I need your nets, I need your guys, and then your stuff's not very important and you should come with me 
And the cool thing is, is in all the skills that you've already got, and this is a great consolation for you, all the skills that you've already got, I can sort of whip those into an omelet and serve it up, and it'll be great, you know? Which is why everybody had, you all have your own skills. You have your own skills. You have things that nobody else can do. It's kind of interesting now, you know, having known you for a long time. You each have skills that nobody else has, but if you actually were, if you can imagine Jesus sort of directing traffic, he can actually put you into things that you could never, ever imagine that you could do. It's really quite remarkable. I was just going to say, you know, I, I have never really had a hard time obeying, coming to church and going to do things, but yeah. um, finding joy in it was hard for me, and it wasn't, that was one of the things that I think Jesus asked you to do. So how about now? It's easier, but I still fight. So I have a, I have a, I have an observation. Not about you, just about Saint John. Um, Saint John feels to me to be in its late teenage years. So, oh, I don't know, a couple hundred years. Who knows? Reformation. So here's, so here's what I've noticed, and so it's a danger and a good. So your spiritual life often goes like this, hopefully. Yeah. You want it to go like this. But plateauing is a natural thing. So if I'm just going to use you as an example, you can counteract this if it doesn't seem right. So um, at some point you throw caution to the wind, you do what the Lord asks you to do. And you sort of, what often happens with people is they get this uptick. So they volunteer for Christmas sharing, and they're happier than they've ever been. And that falls up with the great school, and they are even more happy. But then it's... January. And what happens in January? It goes like this, and then it's kind of like this. And kind of what, here, here's the really cool thing about St. John. A whole bunch of people have like, it's been like a hockey stick going kind of straight up. And so, but I've often, I've noticed in some people, in, a, in a many people actually, they've leveled off at a higher level. And then the next thing you have to watch for is the disappointment that, um, this initial burst. So let's just take you and your lovely husband, James. The first time you saw him, you thought, you know, <laughs> right, right. And then at some point, oh, the reality of marriage sets in, right? I mean, this is not, this is true, right? You know, I mean, this is true in every family, or your job. You get the perfect job, and then, oh, for goodness sakes, I'm on the train again, right? Or you have kids. You're so happy to have kids. And then you're like, holy cow, there are two. You know? Yeah, I mean, you're, right? This is so. This is true in many aspects of life. It's actually true for going to Bible study, serving other people. Um, Mother Teresa is great on this. Like, she's so great on saying, you have this great burst, and then you find out that people are kind of icky. In fact, the, the idea of the noble poor, you know, that, that people... You get with people who are hungry, or you're, and, and it's good you have this. Um, so even let's just take the East Coast, right? So the East Coast blown apart by this whole thing, and what it, you got Barack Obama and Chris Christie hugging each other on the beach. You thought they were going to give each other a big kiss on the lips, you know? It was so beautiful, right? Forty-eight hours later, what's happening? People today, people are pulling guns out in the car lines and pointing them at other people. 
because they took more than their $20 ration. Hey, welcome back to New York. Life is good, right? I mean, so it goes like, you know, it goes like this. Hey, we're all great and we're New Yorkers. Hashtag, we're the best. And then, you know, now the key is you have to be careful. Exactly right. You have to, and the thing is, you actually have the same experience because you've traveled a lot and gone on a lot of mission trips. What happens when people go on their first couple of mission trips? It's what happens? really high. Yeah, right. And then they come home and they send a letter to the pastor and they say, this is true. You get a letter that says, Please keep an eye on Jan. She's just come back from a mission trip where everything was great, right? There was money. There was people. There were food. There were all these people. It all fit together. Life was beautiful. And then she comes home and what? You have to live with this lot, right? It's true, is it not? Yeah. So, so one of the things that's really interesting is you have to be – so I observed that there's been a lot of people who have grown a whole bunch at St. John who have popped off a kind of – now, the next leg up, is that'll be really fun, but um, if people don't say their prayers, go to church, stay the course even when they're not feeling like they once felt, and this is not no different than your marriage, your job, your kids. The reality of life is the better we get to know things, the more you know. The more, this is not like a midlife crisis. There's so many things in life that are like this. What's the answer for all those things? For loving your spouse, for loving your kids, for loving your job, for loving your church, for loving the little baby Jesus. What's the, what's the answer to that? You stick with it, right? And eventually it kind of washes over you. So you love your spouse in a way that um, you didn't love them 20 years ago. It's not the same. It's not the same. But Or you love your church that way, or you love Jesus that way. I would suggest that all of you have a very different relationship with Jesus than you had five years ago, right? Mm-hmm. I would when guess that he... Or 20 or absolutely. Yeah. You tend to fall away and then you come back. Yeah, right, right. So I would guess, here's the thing, I would guess that the, the, the little baby Jesus has disappointed you in some way in the last five years. In fact, I know you all well enough. I could say to you where the disappointment was, Right? You've all had disappointments in the last five years. And Jesus still loves you, right? Like, just knowing you. Now, here's the thing. What do you do with that disappointment? I'm sure there must have been a tinge when Peter walked away from the lottery ticket that was fish. Right? There must have been a, you got to be kidding me kind of moment. Just wait till the end of the week. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, if we could just cash this in and carry it with us a little ways, right? Did he leave his crew in charge, though? Maybe he didn't really lose that. You never know. You just because never he know. came back and fished. They fished other times. They did. They, yeah, and they came back and stayed, and that's one of the reasons they, they think they know where Peter's house is, which is where I, Jesus yeah, would have stayed, yeah. and the fish hooks, and blah, blah, blah. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's not, it's not too far off, because unlike other places in the Middle East, you can actually think stay for a thousand years. And, but So I, I would just encourage you, you know, this happens in normal life. The only way through is to put one foot in front of the other and do what Jesus asks you. The same Jesus you were so interested in and who gave you this pop of joy, that's the same Jesus who's with you at the plateau and actually sort of brings you into a more mature kind of joy. When you get on the Christmas sharing committee, that would be... (laughs) Another leg up. Join a committee. That is the church. You can get on the right committee in the church. Right? But but it is, in fact, true. And that, so partly... The other thing is, is you do have to watch your friends. I mean, part of this is also, 
Um, and this is Jesus saying, why don't you take some time off and rest? Like, sit down for five minutes, you know? But Jesus actually does say to people, to the disciples, you should rest for a while. You've That's been really busy. That's exactly right. And that actually, it's good not to see you in January. So when people say to me, I've served in the committee, I've been a governing board, I've been an elder, I've done this or I did that, and they say, I actually need some time off, they, the right answer for that is, yeah, you probably do need some time off. It's exactly what, imagine what this was like for Peter and the disciples. You know, this huge, Peter, James, and John, these three guys who are going to be at the center of the church. You know, they're always the apostles that are at the center. Where's at the center? And Jesus has to say to them, you probably need to calm down, you need to take a little time off. And that's actually okay. What I, what I don't want, what time off doesn't mean time off from the Eucharist, time off from your prayers. Jesus says, why don't you come away, be quiet, and pray with me, right? So it doesn't mean time off from church. It doesn't mean time off from obedience. It, it just means you rearrange things a little bit, and you're, you're quiet a little bit. And then when you feel refreshed, then you come back, right? Make sense? So anything else just on that? So here's the thing. You have to stay with it because that's how you grow. You know, you go like this, you get better. It's just like it's like athletics. It's like anything else. You have these plateaus. What you don't want to do is give up at the plateau point and then kind of come back down. You want to go uh, like a good stock market, higher highs and higher lows. You know, it goes like this, but it keeps going up. Did you like the chiastic structure, the ABBA thing? Did you like that? Does that, does that interest you at all? Now, what you have to remember is that's how the re- it was kind of interesting. Um, the reason it's interesting, you have to remember that this was an oral society, so they told stories. Before they wrote it, they told it. Right. You had to have a way to tell it. I don't know if you've ever been around this with people. There's always people who want to interrupt your story, or they forget a detail. This doesn't happen to you, right? Yeah. <laughs> so one of the reasons they had a classic pattern, A-B-B-A, is so your wife could say to you, no, it's A-B-B-A, not A-B-A. A-B-B-A, you forgot, you got to put this, you know. So that was just, you'll classically see that um, in the scriptures. All right, I'm as far down as, um, I might be flipping to the other side. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Sounds like they're getting wild next door. They asked you whether the sound would bother you from next door. I assured them that you would hardly notice. You actually don't, you don't actually care if your kids are making noise as long as you can't see them or don't have to go to them, right? I mean, I was like, it's, they're going to make some noise. It's going to be fine. <laughs> Screen, you know, yeah, that's right. And the curtain hasn't broken. Jacob's laying on the floor, sucking his thumb, refusing to help pick up, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd like to be lying on the floor, sucking my thumb. I would love to know what Jesus taught from the boat that day. And clearly, we don't need to know because it would have been in there. But was there anything that kind of opened Peter's mind to being receptive to all of that? I think it's an honor for a great teacher to ask you to use your boat. You know, if you admired him and you knew about him, it would have been a big honor for him to want to use your boat to preach from. How much time do you know about Jesus before this? You know, we're at Luke 5. He's a bit of a rock star. He's already he's already stood up in the synagogue and taught. There's probably been a healing or two. Uh, yeah, he healed his mother-in-law. And, and in the other Gospels, he, Peter's mother-in-law is in a string of healings. I can't remember the exact order, but 
he actually had a pretty big, he actually cast out an unclean spirit in the synagogue, right? So he preaches, he casts out an unclean spirit. I don't know if the withered hand guy, we'd have to look at compare the Gospels, but Peter's mother-in-law is down the list of, because remember, he's on a full day, and then he comes to Peter's house, and it's like, takes the fever out of her. So there's a lot going, I mean, he's the His local. brother Andrew went and got so him. Yeah, Peter exactly, good, yeah. about Jesus before this whole. You know, the thing is, is you don't know, um, he knows some stuff, but he doesn't know what we know. What does he look at Jesus as a prophet Here's the thing: you have that middle, yeah, as a teacher, but you also, but 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 also a miracle worker. And then, so then, so okay, so there's teachers, there's true teachers and false teachers, and then there's miracle workers. So there's charlatans and there's real miracle workers, and then there's of the workers, there are those who do it by the hand of Jesus, and who do it by the hand of the demonic. So Jesus complains later, and he says. You say, you say I have a demon. John came, you said he had a demon. We read that. Did we read that last week? I'm kind of I can't, I've been reading a lot of texts lately. But remember they said, John, it was last week. John the Baptist comes and he comes fasting and praying and you say he has a demon, right? You know, so, so, so there's, the, the jury is, the jury is out. You know, we're, if we're only a dozen stories in and it's very early in the three years, maybe we're in a couple of months. You know, so the risk is so great. Because if he turns out to be a fraud, you know, you're down the way of, you know, following somebody who's actually probably demonic and not. It's very difficult, this discerning the spirit stuff. Okay, but Peter right now is looking at Jesus as a prophet, not yeah. as the Lord, not as the Messiah, not as... Yeah, but the problem is, is it Luke 9 or Luke 11 or so, where they, he says, who do you say that I am? You're the Christ, the Son of the living God, so you're the Messiah. Boop, 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 boop. And then the very next words are... Get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Okay. You know? So there is still, you know, still the up and down of this. Okay. Yeah. We're still human. Just like <laughs> us. Really, really human. Really, Very really human. human. <laughs> we have bad days. Very human. Go ahead. What did you say? What did you say? Oh, I didn't say so. oh, okay. I just said ba- like us. Or yeah, something. right. Just all like bad. us. All right. Anything else? I promised we'd stop right a quarter after because um, not just for them, but so that we would kind of be more quiet as, and pick some of the hubbub out of the air toward the funeral. So, uh, but anything else? Is there anything else? So anyway, so here's the thing. The, the big things to remember, stuff is really good. Stuff is really good. Jesus loves stuff. Jesus loves you. Jesus takes stuff. In fact, the one thing I didn't say is we actually say stuff. The great phrase in the creed is um, homo usius, one stuff, homo, same, usius, stuff, one stuff with the Father. We say that every 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 week, he's one stuff with you, but he's also, I mean, he's one stuff with the Heavenly Father, divine. He's also one stuff with you, human, and so that's why he's the connection between human and divine. So your stuff really matters. He calls your stuff, like he calls all creation into obedience. Um, if you obey, you'll be blessed. If you don't obey, you'll be chastised. It's not, you know, that's not um, sort of a, that's not so much transactional as it sounds. It just means there are holy things. And Jesus tells you about the holy things. And he says, touch the holy things, have the holy things, love the holy things, follow the holy things. The holy things are yours. And if you're like, say yes to that more, that, that's great. And if you don't, I mean, you you go into the realm of what's evil and even demonic, you know. I mean, And so Jesus has this great thing where he gives you all these holy things. And then he says, I love you and this is the way it will be. And and if you, if you stick inside that, it will get better and better. Although... You don't know what better might be. 
honestly, you know, if you've lived a certain number of years, you realize you have no idea what better is. But Jesus tells you what better is, you know. And you and if you stick with that, you know, at the end, you know, well done, good and faithful servant. And if not, then something less than that, which normally has to do with being unsatisfied, restless, unhappy. So, you know, kind of the thing is, Peter is this living witness of, at least for him, Jesus, you know, leave your life, your family, and your stuff behind. And it's fascinating because Peter was married, right? He had a mother-in-law. So we should talk about what that means for wives someday. I think it means that you go on a lot of fishing trips on your <laughs> Say to your wife, I'm going to Canada for three years or something like that. I don't know what it means. But we should. No, that's right. Wrong. It's not in the Bible. Sorry. I was just distracted. I spoke as a man and not from God. All right. Yes. Next one. I did. I don't remember. What do we need to say? Bring food. People have been bringing food in. It's bring food. Bring food for people. That's the most basic thing. Shop. Bring food. Mm-hmm. For goodness sakes. Like have a, uh, enough food for each family for a week's worth of food. One week. Yeah. Bring food. Bring the food you eat. Bring normal food. Bring good food. Mm-hmm. Let Give people mm-hmm. Christmas. Well, sometimes people, not, not anymore, but in the early days, people brought kind of weird stuff or leftover stuff sometimes. And we're way past that. Bring the, bring the kind of stuff that you take joy in, right? Uh, uh, we'll just do the next one. We'll do 12 if that's okay. Is that okay? We'll do 12 next week. You guys okay with that? 12? All right. Um, it's not Thanksgiving. Okay, let's, let's pray and let's go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.